Morning Show Sports Night 59, the fan Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning. That was Brian for Living in his quarter season media availability. After in a quarter zip. Games. Yeah, he's wearing a quarter zip. That's, yeah. Good for him. Uh, I love a good Q zip, so I had to notice it. Are you wearing one today? Yep. Yep. Good for you. Um, Maple Leafs go into this game against the Florida Panthers with 23 points through 19 games, but still five regulation wins. And after this little surge for the Columbus Blue Jackets, mm-hmm. winning three of four since, yeah, the benching Johnny Goudreau in a third period and then benching Patrick Laine mm-hmm. and then healthy scratching Patrick Laine. Yep. They now find themselves with six regulation wins. So the Maple Leafs now second fewest regulation wins mm-hmm. in all of the Eastern Conference. It's not now, good. They've only played 19 games. Columbus played 23. Uh, Montreal Canadiens, who have the fewest, they only have three regulation wins. They they, they played 21 mm-hmm. games, but it's 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 all very not good, leading to a shakeup of the lines today. So Shake Austin Matthews, Mitch Marner, not going to be skating together tonight, as it will be William thoughts Nylander. And prayers, thoughts and prayers with them at this trying time in their friendship. <laughs> William <laughs> Nylander alongside... Um, Matthew Nyes and Austin Matthews and John Tavares centering a line with Tyler Bertuzzi and Mitch Marner. Expectations for those top two lines going into what must be said is a pretty big regular season game in a very compacted Mm -hmm. middle portion of the Eastern Conference after back-to-back losses after, okay, so no more Sweden excuses. That's forever ago. Mm. We're done with Sweden. I'm done with Sweden. I'm done talking about Sweden. So don't you dare bring it up again. Mm, you brought it up. No, it's over. Okay. Okay? Sure. And there's there's no John Klingberg mucking it up and we'll get clarity. I'll, I'll give you clarity today. Okay. You won't see John Klingberg the rest of the season. It'll become official at some point this week I, is my prediction. I confirm that. Okay? Or by early next week, we'll we'll know for sure that John Klingberg is not returning this season. Having said that, if I don't get the news by Friday, I'm going to worry that some miracle <laughs> doctor did yeah. find a cure. No, no, he is uh, out of uh, out of sight, out of, out mind. of mind, out of cap okay? space. Uh, it's going to be up to top four forwards in this on this hockey team yep. to provide the offense that they have at times provided. Mm-hmm. But in an overall sense, it must be said, the Leafs tenth. And the NHL in goals for per game. Your expectations of this new look Leaf team tonight against a, an Atlantic division foe. I will answer that question in one second. I do just want to provide <laughs> a little bit of context to the Columbus benchings versus what's been happening here. One, we can't pretend it's remotely the same thing to bench guy in Columbus and Toronto. But that's not even the point I'm trying to make here. Johnny Goudreau, 11 points in 23 games this year. Patrick Laine, yeah, five points in 13 games. Austin Matthews, as you have been wont to point out to me all day long today, yeah, second in the NHL, two back of the league leading goals, whatever it is, Mitch Marner, 20 points in 19 games. So what has happened in Columbus there and the terrible play, quite frankly, from the two guys you pay all the money to, as much as you'd like more, you want more consistency. You quite frankly want more production out of those top two guys. It's not even close to the same animal in, in Columbus. And I'm not saying you are, but I just mm-hmm. think people will hear that. And, and I want to kind of properly put it in context in terms of my expectations for tonight. I kind of think they need one more getting yelled at day is kind of how it feels like it's gone for this core. Mm. Everyone's upset. And the GM came out and talked and Sheldon Keefe's going to flip the wingers, but I don't expect that it just clips and it works like gangbusters and this team is right back to the very best version of themselves. I I don't 
I think typically this team is kind of needed to show you they're coming out of it before they have the game where they actually come up. And we saw a bit of that in the third period against Pittsburgh, but I need more than a period before I see it. So I don't expect the Leafs to lay some egg tonight. Far, far from it. But I don't expect these changes to be the thing that unlocks everything up top either. What I expect, though, and listen, we we talked to Damian Cox about this team. So many similarities surrounding this team as uh, Leafs teams of years prior. It'll be a real departure if, in fact, they don't look like world beaters tonight. Because this is this is this Leafs team's DNA. Go back to the last time they they played the Panthers, mm-hmm. and that was the second half of back to back losses against Chicago, yeah, <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and Florida. A couple of regulation losses, and then they went down early in Tampa against the Lightning. And one of their their better comeback mm-hmm. performances of the season is Ilya Samsonov gets yanked. Joe Wall uh, picks that, up the slack. That was the recipe, remember? Yep, uh, he did that twice yep. this season uh, against the Lightning, both times overtime wins. But yeah, that was a pretty solid effort. Mm-hmm. At least scored for the in that hockey game first for the first time all season. They scored the first goal of the hockey game and then, of course, gave up the lead immediately thereafter. But it was actually a game that they started on time in. Yep. This is what this Leafs team does. Every time you think you're out, they pull you back in, right? Very rarely will they go like a really prolonged period of time looking totally inept. And not to say that both games... Honestly, I separate the Chicago game from the Pittsburgh game because I think that was more of a coin flip game. And I I know both are various levels of Mm -hmm. disappointing. I would say the Chicago game, team that's 31st in the NHL in points, a little different than losing to Sidney Crosby and the Penguins, a team that has, by the way, I think nine regulation wins this season compared to the Leafs, five. But yeah, no, I expect the Leafs to come out guns a-blazing because that's when they do. Every time that you have the most criticism towards them, they prove to you that, oh, yeah, we'll just flip the switch. I tend to think this is how it will play out, actually. Now, And this is just doing what we've done with this team, is that I think they do have a game that maybe gets them yelled at a little bit publicly today. And then the cracking game. Yelled at. First of all, like, yeah, what do you well, mean yelled at? Well, where we have the, where it is a day. Not, okay. Where, where it is Not day from is, Sheldon Keefe. Oh, God. No, okay. So God. you're talking about media yeah, yelling at. Yeah, of course. At. Yeah. Okay, no, right. of course. No, yeah, okay. no. I just needed to clarify no, that. Oh, God. No, 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 no. No one, <laughs> no one in that building yelling at that team. I can assure you of that. Yeah. Okay. We'll see. All right. Uh, time now for our insider brought to you by Don Valley North Lexus, where you can expect excellence online and in the showroom. Visit DonValleyNorthLexus.com. Today's insider is uh, Bill Lindsay, Panthers broadcaster, former NHL forward, who joins us online right now. How's it going, Bill? Good morning. Good morning, Ben. How are you doing? Doing very well. Um, that was quite a finish <laughs> yesterday in Ottawa. Don't know if I've ever seen everybody on the ice receive a, a misconduct. Have you ever seen that before? Nope. I thought we were back in the 80s, except for the referee <laughs> was in 2023 with the calls. Just kick everyone out of the game back in the day, maybe. I saw someone tweet Paul Dvorsky when they had that Montreal-Philadelphia brawl that he handed out 22 minutes in penalties. <laughs> but it got wild and wooly in Ottawa with the Kachuk brothers. The best was uh, Grandma Kachuk in the stands and all the reactions. I'm not sure what the words were said afterwards, but it got spicy. Let's put it that way. Yeah, I mean, and uh, hey, uh, when you have one Kachuk involved, it's liable to get a little spicy. Never mind two of them. I mean, you know, obviously we have the Leaf Panthers uh, matchup tonight. But again, just to keep it on last night's game for for a second, I mean, what do you see out of Matthew Kachuk on kind of a night-to-night basis? Because so much of a talking point of this Leaf season has been that they kind of, you know, maybe sleepwalk through games is too strong a criticism. But it doesn't seem to be the intensity, the fire. And when we think of Kachuk, or that is, those are like the the two first words that come to mind. What is it like getting to just uh, watch him go to work on a, on a nightly basis? So 
so the point production and goals aren't quite where they were last year. They're down. But Matthew Kachuk, the energy level, he's going to play the same way. It doesn't matter. He ha- he had 87 shots going into last night's game with three goals. So the goals are going to come. If you imagine 87 shots in an NHL game and only giving up three, <laughs> it would be an unbelievable performance by the goaltender. And if you said, well, they're all from forward and an elite board. So the goals are going to come. I just never the, – the, it's always the same what you see from Matthew, whether the goals are going in. He, he just drags everyone into the fight. He has that kind of energy, that kind of personality. And Paul Maurice and this coaching staff, now that they're starting to get healthy, they have that same identity. They know who they are and who they want to be. Uh, so that's what really propelled them through the early start of the season. Strong defensively. Now they're starting to get healthy. The power plays roll in. And Matthew Kachuk and the boys look a lot similar to the team that went to the Stanley Cup Finals last year. Well, uh, it turns out that this Panthers team is not going to get an addition of Patrick Kane. Just three minutes ago, Elliot Friedman tweeting out, uh, Patrick Kane is he going? with the Detroit Red Wings. Uh, uh, so yeah. money in Detroit. <laughs> <laughs> I guess so. Did you have your 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 uh, sights set on Patrick Kane? Did you believe that was a legit possibility, Bill? It, the only way that it could have been a possibility at at a low dollar value. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's going to materialize. We don't. We just don't. With uh, Montour, uh, Reinhardt, Gustav Forsling looking for extensions, and Patrick Kane maybe coming into the fold. Does he want a one year deal at one million dollars? To chase that would be the only way that we could probably fit him into our lineup. If he, any, if he goes to Detroit, I'm not what the dollar amount mm-hmm. is. Is it three million for one year? Is it uh, four million for two six? Something in that range. We don't have that kind of money to spend, unfortunately, and it would put us through some hoops. Uh, he would have been a nice fit on that top line with Barkov and Reinhardt, and you could put Rodriguez down on that third line. It would have been really tantalizing. But you look at Detroit, where they have probably more money to fit Patrick Kane in, and more of an exciting situation. It, it would have been, it would have been nice. But Patrick Kane, I'm just glad to see him back in the league. He's an exciting player. Goes to a real team in Detroit that's starting to push in the Atlantic. Well, yeah. Let's let, let, maybe just drill down on that. I mean, you've you've got a, as good a look at these Atlantic Division teams as as anybody here. How would you kind of handicap things? I mean, obviously Boston is is at the top where where they're at, but you know, Florida right there. What what do you think it does the division? Obviously, it seemed like Kane was was gonna sign here. Well, what do you think he 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 does to the Wings? Like, how much of a boost do you do you think he provides? Because obviously, last season there was some injury stuff, and that's why he took his time uh, coming out of the surgery that he's had here. Like, what are your what are your expect? And I do want to talk to you about the. Panthers more here, but just with the breaking news, what are your expectations for Kane? The the question I would only have is, if you look back, there's only been a handful of players that have had that hip resurfacing uh, surgery, and it hasn't fared out well for a lot of them. Jovanovski came back and played with it, uh, played okay to some extent, but just did not look like an old self. Nicholas uh, Backstrom had to go. He had to retire. Ryan Kessler's another one that had had that surgery. So is he able to come back and be at full strength and be the Patrick Kane that we all know and love? If he if he's able to come back and be that dynamic threat, he's going to fit in well in a top six role in Detroit and give them another explosive player. And that team can skate in Detroit. They're fast. They're quick. They can push the pace. Their power play has been kind of up and down, but Patrick Kane will help any power play watch his skating 
would be, does he skate and look like the old Patrick Kane of old if he does? Detroit just gets another weapon added to their arsenal to compete and buy and maybe push one of these top teams out of the top three in the Atlantic. Yeah, we'll see. It's it's a different looking top three. I mean, not the very top of the Atlantic, but the 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 two three is a different looking uh, Atlantic division than we're used to seeing with the Leafs and Lightning in there, and they're not too far behind. And and Vasilevsky back for the Lightning as well. But the Panthers in second, and the, and the Red Wings in third. You know, there. I kind of made a comparison um, to between this addition to the Toronto Maple Leafs and last year's addition to the Florida Panthers. And, and maybe it'll play out differently, but right now it does feel like this is a Leaf team that's going to have to battle all the way to the end of the season to make the playoffs, um, considering the way they played, considering they only have five regulation wins now through 19 games. What can you say about the way that impacted the Panthers getting into the postseason, that they had to go down to game 82 and just barely by the skin of their teeth getting in and then game seven against the Boston Bruins. How did that impact the, the, the Panthers' postseason run, having all those important regular season games right up until the end? It helped. And Paul Maurice said we had to play playoff hockey. They, had that, they won that President's Trophy, and it was run and gun, uh, lots of goals off the rush. He knew that wasn't going to work to be successful in the playoffs and said we had to learn how to play playoff hockey during the regular season. First half of last year, everyone was asking the question, are we going to get in the playoffs? What is playoff hockey? And uh, it took a long time. After the new year, they established their identity. They found out that they had to dump and chase, hold on to the puck in the offensive zone, get to the net screen, have a physical presence. And it took hold. And, after January 1st, especially after the All-Star break, the records were comparable to all the top teams in the East. A lot of people said, well, this is a surprise, but you had to play from behind and gather all those points. But once they got into the playoffs, they knew who they were. They knew what their identity was and how they had to play. So to many, it maybe kind of from the outside looked kind of a, like a, a fluke run. But if you go back and look where this team changed and – knew what they were and what they were about. Paul Maurice was right. He changed it, and it got to a point to what they could do in the playoffs was was a winning formula. So coming into this year with all the injuries, he knew. I talked to him. He said, we are light years ahead of where we were at defensively last year at this point. He knew they had to scratch and claw to score goals at the start of the year with Montour and Ekblad. With the new defenseman, it was tough getting out of their zone. It wasn't clean, but they were still stout defensively. That allowed them to tread water, get off to a decent start. Now with a healthy lineup, Montour, Ekblad, goals will start to materialize. The power play is going to get better, and they will continue to be that way defensively. So they have a true identity, I guess, is the biggest thing uh, coming off last year. They know exactly who they are and how they want to play. If I could just get a thought from you on on Alex Barkov. I mean, for a while there, he was everybody's most underrated guy in the NHL, and I think he's he's a little too good for for that. But I also don't know that he gets quite the the credit he deserves. I mean, maybe it's part of the division that up here we're we're so focused on Boston and Tampa, and not that we shouldn't be focused on the Panthers. But it does feel like he is still a, a bit of an afterthought. I mean, feels like he's kind of Mister Panther. He's charging towards every franchise record uh, that you guys have got down there. If I could just get a thought from you on on Barkov and and kind of him growing into the player he's become. To watch him over the years and to watch him grow and develop, is he dominates at both ends of the rink. He never cheats the game for offense. He's always in the right spot defensively. 
he continues to track the way that he's playing this year. He's going to be in the Selkie conversation at the end of the year and might, might possibly win a second Selkie if he stays healthy. He's having that kind of year, that kind of impact. And maybe he goes underrated because of his personality. It's not a Kachuk personality. It's unassuming. It's quiet. He'll let his play on the ice, do the talking for him. He's a great leader that way because when you watch him in practice and you watch him in game, the attention to details is spotless. And that's why Paul Maurice and the coaching staff love him. He never just takes any shortcuts and he's big and he's strong. And this year's different that he came in 10 or 15 pounds lighter. He always felt that he had to be a little bit heavier because he's playing down low with the defenseman in the corners needed that extra size bulk. He decided to come in and he shredded this year uh, cut. Like I've never seen strong still, but 10 or 15 pounds lighter, quicker. There's that little extra step to his game. This might be Barkos, one of his Barkos best years. If he can stay on the ice and stay healthy. And you said, Mr. Panther, everyone talks about Kachuk. Kachuk gets a lot of the headlines, rightfully so. But the one player, out that you don't want under your lineup and they had him out for a little bit is Barkoff. He means so much and is a catalyst for so much of what they do, especially I talked about the defensive stuff. He just leads the charge defensively for this team. Um, speaking of out of the lineup, Sam Bennett was out of the lineup. First matchup between these two teams, uh, Sam Bennett uh, knocking Matthew Nyes out of that postseason series in game two of last year's second round series. Uh, this is also a Panthers team that was just in did some rough stuff uh, yesterday against the, the Ottawa Senators. Maple Leafs not exactly known for, for uh, physical responses, but do you expect anything tonight, Bill, as far as Sam Bennett's first game against the Leafs since that playoff series? Uh, who knows how these games are going to play out or anything more. <laughs> it, it goes from day to day, but uh, Sam Bennett and Matthew Kachuk, they play mean. They just don't. If you have the wrong color jersey on, they just don't like you. It's that's that's the point of it, and that that's their fuel to the fire. That's what makes them successful. Sam Bennett missed the first couple of games in that playoff series against Boston, and we missed him. He, he's starting to to go get the goal last night. He he's a he's a he's a straw that stirs the drink. Let's put it that way for this Panther team. He's in the middle of everything, and him and Kachuk feed well off each other. They're a great duo to have. So we'll see what happens tonight with all those guys. But but Sam Bennett, mm. uh, the way that he st- his style and the Kachuk style, it's it's infectious. And I talked about Barkov in this kind of unassuming role, but uh, if you want that loud, brash style, kind of in-your-face hockey, well, it's Bennett that's going to bring it. And when he got back in that playoff series against Boston, it made all the difference in the world. So that kind of says what he means to this hockey team. Yeah. Leafs certainly missed Matthew Nyes the rest of that series as well. Uh, Bill, it uh, should be fun yeah. tonight. Thanks for doing this. Yeah. Thank you guys. Enjoy the game tonight. Should be, uh, should be another, uh, you know, what's great is we got rivalries now the yes. Panthers. We haven't had rivalries in a long, long time. We got Tampa and now we got, Toronto in the mix, Boston, Carolina. So these games are a lot of fun for us and our fan base. Yeah, uh, it'll be fun down uh, at Scotiabank Arena tonight. Thanks again, Bill. All right, have a great day. You too. Bill Lindsay, Panthers broadcaster, former NHL forward. He was our insider. He was brought to you by Don Valley North Lexus, where you can expect excellence online and in the showroom. Visit DonValleyNorthLexus.com. Leafs 
quite notably, did not have a physical response in a game mm-hmm. against the Boston Bruins. Brad Marchand. That's right. Earlier this season. Except, again, funnily enough, except for John Klingberg, who pushed him down. Like, if that, like, that can't be the only mm. thing, but he actually did do it. Of all the guys, John Klingberg. And then Maple Leafs, you know, they stood up for each other, taking a couple of instigator penalties. And That's again, right. John Klingberg's final game of the, the season. Great, the greatest game ever played. Against the Vancouver Canucks. I wonder if that plays into it. Like, that narrative feels that we're on to a different narrative. Now mm-hmm. it's like, hey, Mitch Marner, get going. That's the narrative today? Right. But, like, don't forget, it was not that long ago we were talking about how this team just does not have its, each other's backs well, and how they don't have physical responses. I wonder if that is it. A factor at all in seeing Sam Bennett's face who hates you because you wear a different uniform. This is not going to happen, but it's like if Mitch Marner just came out like a rabid bulldog with rabies, like foaming at the mouth tonight in this game and just being angry and smacking people and giving them wax, it's like he'd go dash for and no one would care. Oh my goodness. It's not going to happen. If that ever yeah, happened, like happen. they put him on Legends Row. Like, don't like these guys ever think they'd, about that? They'd go like, full like Han Solo. They would freeze him on the spot and be like, sorry, Mitch, you live here now. Mitch Marner has. Watch like he grew up a Leaf fan. Like yeah, he, he knows... wanted to wear ninety three. He did wear it in London because uh, of Doug Gilmore. Like... I, <laughs> I, I, I know it's you not can, him. You can't, you can't manufacture that stuff. But like, is there not like just a conscious decision making or like a conversation even had? Like, hey, what if like even just for a game, let's just try it on for size. Well, and the that's honestly, it's like it's a size thing. It's just that's never going to be him. But that's why you look at the guy sitting right beside him. You know, Austin Matthews, who's like 6'2", 230, 235 Uh, probably, but ain't never going to happen. Sorry, it's not. I'd love it to. I've had moments this year where he's like kind of come into scrums, and I'm like, oh, is he being like, no, and he's just going to stand at the back. It's who he is. I guess. That sucks. And guess what? Like, it must also be said. He's a guy who is second in the NHL or whatever he is in goals, a 60-goal man, all that, and that's why. Like, Brent, they're they're bash. Their best revenge is scoring on the power play, okay? Except they don't get those. They don't get those. <laughs> the third fewest in the NHL. They did try out. One day we'll have to do just the cringiest Leaf sayings. And respect in the handshake line will forever oh, be the worst. Yeah. But our toughness is our power play. Yeah. Is uh, certainly up there. Yeah. You know what I'd prefer? To have you know, toughness. What Bill Lindsay says about Matthew Kuchak yeah. and Sam Bennett. It's like, it's like they just, they that, just that would fuel like them. Pe- yeah, they just don't like people. That's, and okay, I'd have a little hate in your heart. <laughs> uh, they don't. They're no, lovers. they don't. No, and I, hey, if there was anything out of that Vancouver game, if this is a team that has each other's backs and it's uh-huh. different now, okay, let's see it tonight. I don't expect to, quite frankly, but Revo in the lineup, not we'll for see. no reason. Mm-hmm. All right, we will see. All right, well, we'll see in the coming months what the Chicago Bears decide to do with what appears to be the first overall selection and Justin Fields. Uh, We'll get a better sense of it when we talk to Peter King of Football Mm. Morning in America next. The Fan Morning Show continues. Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning, Sportsnet 590 The Fan. Diving deep into Leafs, Raptors, Jays, and NFL. The J.D. Bunkus Podcast. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Fan Morning Show, Sportsnet 590 The Fan. Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning. It's that time of the year in the NFL calendar where you start looking at the playoff seedings. Mm-hmm. You also start looking at the reverse standings. Yes, you do. And I'm a Patriots if, fan. I've been keeping tabs on that for a while. If you're the Chicago Bears, you don't even have to worry about winning a game like yesterday 
against the Minnesota Vikings right. in the past or not, because you got the Carolina Panthers uh, first round selection, which at this point appears to be headed for the number one overall selection in uh, next year's NFL draft. Let's talk to Peter King of Football Morning in America. Good morning, Peter. Hey, good morning, man. How are you? Doing very well. All right, just simply, um, does it feel like the Bears are keeping Justin Fields if they have the number one pick? I don't think that it, that can be answered now. I mean, that game last night, even though they won, uh, was a poor display of his talents. Um, everything was a dink and dunk. Uh, and I think... You know, the Bears have voiced confidence in him all along, but there's no reason for them to make a decision in November that they have to live with in April. So, you know, they'll just look at it, and obviously, I mean, it looks it looks very much like they'll have the, the first pick. So they either will take one of those quarterbacks and replace Justin Fields, or take a bounty, which I keep I keep saying to people, I said, don't discount this. And again, I'd be very dubious right now about the Justin Fields, but I wouldn't eliminate it. And I basically would say, listen, just take your time. Take all the time. There's no rush on making a decision. And so take your time. Make the decision that's smartest for the future of the franchise and, and understand one other thing that, you know, look, Chicago has been a place where quarterbacks go to die Mm -hmm. and don't just assume that because you're going to take the next victim that you're finally going to have the answer. And that's one of the reasons why I think whether you totally believe in Justin Fields or not, that, you know, getting multiple good players for that pick, whether you decide, even if you decide you are not going to go forward with Justin Fields, build this team from the inside out, build your offensive line, build your team so that when a quarterback does come in, it's not like you're throwing them to the wolves that he has build it so that you have a real chance. So we'll see what happens in Chicago, but I don't think, they, I don't think it's possible for them to make a decision right now. So I, I agree with you. Like, I think they're going to see it play out. They want to see how the draft shakes out. I mean, we always feel like we have an idea of the draft board and then the people who really dive into that, they shake it up about 15 times between now and now when the draft comes around. So you're right. There's so much, there is so much to be decided between now and then. But let's say they do decide to move on from Justin Fields. Does he hold... I don't want to say any, but what is the trade value for him? Because, you know, to your point, last night was not the display, but this is a guy with the pedigree, and he has had flashes. What do you think some other team, do you think there would be teams that would talk themselves into, okay, if the Bears are going to move on, I maybe want to take a take a flyer on this guy. Like, what do you think his trade value would be in the offseason, Peter? Uh, I'd say a third-round pick. That's, you know, if you are, let's say, for instance, the Atlanta Falcons, Mm. and you don't even, you don't know right now whether Desmond Ritter is going to be your guy, but you're more dubious about Desmond Ritter than, than you are positive. You know, trade a three, let, uh, 
let Justin Fields come to camp and may the best quarterback win. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, that, that sounds like it's a definite possibility. I want I want to give you some credit here, Peter, before we go any further. Uh, and it wasn't it, it hasn't been easy to this point, but yeah, you picked the Jacksonville Jaguars to win the AFC in your preseason predictions column, and there they are, a half game back of the Baltimore Ravens atop the AFC after uh, taking care of business against the the, the Texans. Um, to that point, though, and, and the Ravens escaped a narrow victory over a Chargers team that's going nowhere, and we know that the Chiefs have had their issues this season. The AFC feels very wide open, especially with no Joe Burrow. Is that how you view it, that there's, I mean, the Chiefs are there and they're the defending champs and all, but seem as, as gettable as ever. Does it, does it feel wide open in the AFC to you as it, as it appears to me? It is wide open. It's more open than it has been, certainly. And I did pick Jacksonville to win home field in the playoffs, but I did not pick them to win the AFC. I picked Kansas City to win the AFC. But I will just say, I think, no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I made a mistake. I picked Buffalo to win the okay, AFC. Okay, good accountability. Buffalo. Yeah, yeah, that's which I'm I'm uh, I'm skeptical that Buffalo will win the <laughs> AFC. And it's hard to win the AFC if you don't make the playoffs. It's difficult. Um, but but I I guess I guess I would just say this about sort of the state of the AFC. Like if, as we sit here right now, my feeling is Kansas City will still win uh, the AFC. I think they are going to get home field, as it turns out, because I like their schedule down the stretch. But I I think the one thing about Kansas City that we've got to be cognizant of right now is that, you know, they really have an issue with their skilled position players, and they need at least one of those guys to step up. Uh, I think it's going to be Rasheed Rice, their rookie wide receiver, had a 100-yard game this week when the team really, really needed it. But I think I look at this team right now, and it really worries me that they're going to have the skilled position players to win another Super Bowl. <laughs> All is possible with Mahomes, <laughs> but I don't really like what I'm seeing currently in their, uh, you know, in – in what they do, especially downfield. <laughs> it's an over-reliance on Kelsey and not enough deep threat ability with their receivers. Yeah, it certainly is. I, I think we've all seen that. And I think, you know, to a certain degree, we all believe it as well, that Patrick Mahomes can paper over a lot. But, you know, you uh, just ask, uh, you know, uh, somebody who used to be married to Tom Brady. You can't throw the ball and catch the ball uh, y- yourself there. You certainly can't. You can't do that. Uh, the game of the week that we were all talking about was Eagles and Bills. Who does that game tell you more about? I mean, in one hand, you look at the Bills and you say, hey, man, that is a team that hung around. They took it to the Eagles. They had every chance to win that game. And we think of the Eagles as, I don't know, first, second, or third best team in all of football. But I could also look at that and say the Eagles kind of let everybody hang around and then ultimately find a way to win. When you look at that game, who does it kind of tell you more about? The two things that that game says to me is do not write off the Buffalo Bills, even though they might be the seventh seed in the playoffs. They might not make the playoffs, obviously. Even though they might be the seventh seed, tell me, 
Mm-hmm. What team wants to see Buffalo come in as the no as no, your no, 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 uh, no, no, no. as your wild card <laughs> weekend foe? Yeah, no thanks. Um, they can beat anybody, and I think the one other thing that it says is just what you say. I talked to Jason Kelsey after this game, and one of the things he talked about was how their team, you know, basically they've got guys who basically have been through the ringer. And they've been in a bunch of big games. It reminds me a long time ago when I covered the New York Giants, Parcells used to say that one of the reasons that we've been able to advance in the playoffs when maybe we're not the most talented, gifted team, the year they beat Buffalo in the in the Super Bowl, they did it with Jeff Hofstetler and great special teams uh, at the end of the season. And he used to say that we are battle-tested. We play in so many big games, all the games in the NFCs. We play Chicago. We play San Francisco. We play the Rams. They're all good. It's all really, really hard to win. And I think that's the thing with the Eagles. When you get used to having to bring your best every week, uh, you know, and you still feel you got so many guys on this team who have this love of the game, like Kelsey, he doesn't want to retire. And he ended up making the biggest block of that game. So, to me, I I think the Eagles are dangerous because they are so battle-tested with so many good veterans. Yeah. Uh, Kelsey almost takes a, a couple of penalties that uh, takes them out of field goal range. Turns out yeah. uh, not the case because uh, Jake Elliott can hit 59-yarders oh. in the rain, which was an unbelievable kicking that football game to send it to overtime. And then also an unbelievable decision by Sean McDermott not to do anything with 20 seconds. And Josh Allen is your quarterback. And I know he only had one timeout because he used the second to try and, and uh, freeze Jake Elliott, which didn't work out at all. And it, it obviously if the bills missed the playoffs, Sean McDermott, I think is all, uh, all but gone. But what have you made of some of the coaching decisions in Buffalo this season? Well, <clears throat> That particular decision, it was interesting. I'm trying to remember right now. I thought Tony Romo kind of supported it on TV. I thought and, he did the opposite. Oh, he did? Okay. All right. Good. I'm glad you said that because I, I don't have a clear memory. But, but I thought that if you have potentially three snaps from Josh Allen to get yourself in field goal position, uh, I would have taken that chance. Because if you think about it, 20 seconds and one timeout. So let's say you throw one ball over the middle of the field. There's six seconds. Uh, You call the timeout. You got 14 seconds to go. And then you've got one more play to get 15 yards to get yourself in long field goal position. I would have done that. I don't quite know why Sean McDermott didn't. I think he was worried about the turnover there. But in my opinion, I thought Josh Allen played a fabulous, fabulous football game. He had one bad pick at a bad time. But overall, I thought he was tremendous. He put up 34 points on the Philadelphia Eagles. You know, one of the best defenses in football in Philadelphia on a crummy, lousy uh, day, you know, with a crosswind on the mm-hmm. field and, and steady rain. So I would have let Josh Allen take a shot right there. 
Yeah, I would have done the exact same thing, but I also think that, yeah, it's you can't live life that way. If you have a quarterback like Josh Allen, you got to let him sling it, but I don't see any reason why you wouldn't have pushed it unless you were worried about a pick six coming back and, and biting you the, the other way. I do want to look ahead. Obviously, he was yeah. obviously he was worried about that, but yeah. go ahead. No, no, yeah, he had to be, and I, I'm happy you brought up the way Josh Allen played because that's the game. Forget about the Bills team as a whole for a second, and there were other parts of the, the team that you do like in that game, but you just watch Josh Allen in that game, and that's the game that lets you believe, yeah, that guy, of course you have him. You you should be a playoff team every single year. I do want to look ahead to to next week, and it's Eagles 49ers is the game I've I've got circled here I think a lot of people will the same and the thing I'm curious about is you know the 49ers have every I mean both teams obviously want to win the game but the 49ers you know they need to make up ground if they want to get that that buy and these are two teams that I think it's entirely possible will play each other in a conference championship game or at least in a few weeks time in the playoffs how much do you think there'll be a little bit of you know playing possum leaving some things behind in this game to make sure you you know save some of your best looks for the very possible conference championship team that these teams will play in a month and a half I don't think the 49ers will. I think Kyle Shanahan will coach this game like it's the seventh game of the World Series. There's not anything to worry about with any future game. Uh, Kyle Shanahan is going to think, don't worry about the future game. We got to do everything humanly possible to win this one. To that end, look, the bye is much more valuable to the 49ers than it is the Eagles. Because the 49ers, their guys get hurt. Debo Samuel gets mm. hurt. Ayuk gets hurt. Kittle gets hurt. McCaffrey, even though he's been a pretty, almost an Iron Man since he's gotten to San Francisco in the last 14 months, uh, you know he has a history of injury too. So, so I, I think they, I think the buy is more valuable to them. That's why. San Francisco will play this game like, as I said, like it's the seventh game of the World Series. Uh, the New England Patriots, or at least their fans, are hoping the, that Patriots team plays every game like the opposite of that, whatever that is, uh, that they lose yeah, uh, yeah. every game from here on out, 2-9, and nine, uh, bottom of the AFC. And you look at the, the, the slate, I mean, every game is, uh, is very losable for the Patriots the way they're playing. But, like, the only game that, you know, you really even have much of a question at all is the last game of the season against the Jets. And you know, the, 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 the questions continue to, to mount about Bill Belichick's future in New England. How, how do you feel about it as, as the weeks progress, Peter? I think, just my gut feeling, I think he and Robert Kraft are, it doesn't do either person any good at all to have this end poorly. You know, the best thing that they could do without any question, and I think both men realize this, the best thing they can do is to part in a classy way and to have a mutual agreement that that Belichick will move on. Kraft is not going to worry about paying him off and, you know, and, and, and making it so that Bill can walk away with a huge golden parachute. Uh, that's not going to be the issue. I just think Kraft is probably ready to move on. Uh, That's how it looks to me. Mm -hmm. We'll see. And then we'll see who is interested in Bill Belichick. I don't think he wants to retire. Mm -hmm. I think there are teams he could go to. Uh, If the Charger job is open, 
I think he looks he could look at that and say, God, what a treat it would be to have a great quarterback again. Um, so we'll see. I, I, you know, I think it's going to be difficult for the Patriots to rebuild quickly because Belichick, the general manager, is really let down Belichick, the coach. I mean, sign me up for Andy Reid, Bill Belichick, and Sean Payton in the same division. Like, that sounds like old. Oh, that'd be pretty good. (laughs) Yeah, uh, that'd be good. Uh, Peter, uh, always a pleasure. Thanks so much. Hey, thanks a lot, fellas. See you later. See ya. Peter King, football morning in America. And Antonio Pierce. Also him in that division. I, mean, I, I think I'd he's going to be back. sticking around, though. Why, why not, though? I, I think that when you have a coach who is like, you think the Raptors are coaching on vibes. Nah, but they did this, the whole thing with Rich Basaccia, too, right? Yeah. Remember, like, and then they let him go. Yeah. And Yeah, okay. Like, maybe there's just something. Okay, you're right. Like, maybe some just, of it is to, like, yeah. They just hate Him Josh not being McDaniel. the previous yeah, exactly. guy. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah. yeah. But also, maybe, maybe there's actually something there. Hey, like. He's winning games, or at least competing in them. Yeah. Like, you could do much worse, mm-hmm. as we have seen in that exact <laughs> spot. But, yeah, I uh, I don't know. Maybe if – actually, now that I think about it, maybe he is the perfect guy. It's like, look at the Titans, you – and, you know, maybe Belichick, maybe not the Titan yeah. we thought he once was. But it'll be interesting to see if Boy, that's the case. I know – now that we're on this this – Topic, yeah. Um, so you, Sean, you've been on. You, this is like, uh, and I don't begrudge you for it. Like, I think it's an interesting topic, but like, this is one of your. You've been on like Belichick watch all year. Yeah, of course. I mean, I, I think it's one of the most interesting um, topics about this. I mean, outside of the actual games, which yeah. are number one, but like sideshow <laughs> topics of this season, it's it's yeah, all time great head coach playing up the string with the franchise where he he's made his gonna, bones. He's going to grab the mic at, at uh, Foxborough and go, stop booing me. Yeah. So Don't was, stop booing me, guys. <laughs> yeah. So obviously, Sean Payton had much more to gain, like, and is still trying to put together his Hall of Fame resume. Well, yep. Bill Belichick's already done that, mm-hmm. right? So Sean is Payton, So is Andy Reid, for, for the record. Yeah, yeah obviously. Yeah. No, but Sean Payton yep. went to Denver, mm-hmm. and we talked to Seth Wickersham earlier this season about the story he wrote about, like, Sean Payton legitimately thinking about his his legacy and getting into the pro football hall of fame. And boy, that if he's able to pull this thing off and like get into the playoffs this year and like, Mm -hmm. yeah, again, turn that franchise around that had Nathaniel Hackett fired in the middle of his first Mm -hmm. season and have 70 points. Okay. So that's, he's doing that. Yes. Bill Belichick doesn't need that. Nope. But it's a different conversation though. It's not to get in the hall of fame. It's to be above. But the opposite could also be true because Mm -hmm. the narrative, like it's a big time arrow down thing. And, and okay, you can point to the quarterbacks. You can also point to the man who selected the quarterback, Mac Jones and Bill Belichick. Mm -hmm. He goes to the chargers where quarterbacks in place. And it does feel like so much of the problem there is defensively. They've Mm -hmm. been one of the worst defensive teams in all the NFL. The offense isn't perfect either, Mm -hmm. but like, the, the bar is going to be, and in a division where you've got Sean Payton and Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes yeah. and Russell Wilson, uh, if you fail again at that step, boy, I mean, that final paragraph post Tom Brady gets a little bit, it's a couple paragraphs now. Yeah, definitely. I think the other interesting part of it is that if it is there, it's the Justin Herbert is also seen as the choker quarterback. So you can kind of spin whatever. Yeah. I, I don't, I think most people will put it on Belichick that he couldn't get over the line when he had another great quarterback. I think that is the, that would be the prevailing sentiment, but Justin Herbert has enough choker in him that you could talk yourself into that going any way you want. And I'm not even Mr. Herbert's a choker, but we gotta, we gotta mention it a little bit. Right. 
It is from a narrative standpoint, like one of the most interesting. And he's still under. So I think there would have to be a a trade consummated between the Patriots and whoever wanted Bill Belichick. So it's not like he's going to go to Buffalo and be the next head coach of the Bills because that would be electric. Oh, boy, would it. (laughs) If if he is the guy that like if he truly has lost it and he has no magic touch and it was just Brady magic all along and he goes and undoes like the Josh Allen era. Oh, sleeper cell. Love it. Oh, <laughs> galaxy brain. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like prove you really love the Patriots bill. Uh, couple of things before we say goodbye yeah. today in about an hour and a half. Oh, I have no idea what you're about to say. Tiger Woods is going to spell. Oh, oh yes. he's going to play golf. I saw oh, I saw some footage of him walking around a practice screen. He looks so cool. Uh, I saw also a report uh, from the Tiger Woods camp that, yeah, he could be looking at playing like four to five tournaments this year. He will and be also playing in the father-son thing in a, in a couple weeks. I also saw uh, in relation to that report that he's like limping less, <laughs> <laughs> which is about as damning with faint praise as you can get. Ugh. Like still obviously limping. Of course. But less. Less. Way less. (laughs) It is like he, unlike anybody else in in pro sports right now who's still actively involved, to see him as such like, the world stops. And it it probably shouldn't because I think we should all accept what Tiger Woods is at this point. But there's still like the, I'll admit, like the 1%, maybe it's less than 1%, but it still exists. The part of me that's like, man, if he just was able to figure it out for like a week and the legs stayed healthy for a week. Like maybe you could put it together. It's just like hit it in the fairway. That's really all he needs to do. Like the hands are still there. You still chip it. It's all he's been able to do for the better part of like the last decade. Every time he has a injury crop up, that's all we hear is that he's chipping, he's putting, he's walking, he's trying to do those things because of 2019 when he had no right to win that masters. Yeah. We'll always, it. we'll always believe. And yeah, guess what? Augusta. It's like, and it is the, it's the, it is for me, the most double-edged sword thing in all the sports. Like the thing we love about Tiger is that he's a competitor's competitor and he can't quit and he can't walk away. But it is so frustrating that he won't let us just give him a big hug and send him off into the, into the sunset. Like he'll never do it. He'll never do it. Mm-hmm. It's he's going to have to be genuinely decrepit and unable to walk before he's going to step away. It yeah, feels that way. But maybe there'll be like a Jack and Arnie type thing when like he's into his sixties and he's going to finally play his final masters or something that he gives us that. Like maybe I, Well, you think just one year is like, I'm not showing no, up the masters. I anymore. think eventually he'll let it in, but like yeah. let it happen while you're still something that resembles the version of yourself that we saw. And it's was, it'll never be 2003, but it could be mm. 2019. Uh, lastly, mm. shout out to Grady Dick who scored 22 points uh, with, Raptors 905 dirt on him yesterday. yesterday. You still well, I'm about be. to yeah. do that. Because right? <laughs> he had 22 points, which is better than the whatever two that he had the other day. He's 5 of 21 from the field, including 3 of 12 from 3. He was a minus 12 in the game. He made all seven of his three uh, free throws, so congratulations to, to you, Grady. Certainly 22 points is better than the alternative, but yeah, it's still, we're still very much on bust watch for Grady Dick. Uh, Raptors in Brooklyn tonight on Sportsnet uh, Leafs, Panthers on Sportsnet 590 The Fan. We'll be down with the game. Enjoy the game, everybody. This has been the Fan Morning Show, Sportsnet 590 The Fan, Ben Ennis, Frank Gunning. Good, Good morning. morning.